Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show. In this episode, I discuss negativity and trolling on social media. What is your organization's immediate response when you're faced with a barrage of abuse from the public online? Do you even respond? Fear of public criticism on social media is probably one of the greatest challenges for government and public sector. It also stunts social media growth. In this episode, I'm going to discuss how to deal with negativity and trolling on social media. Why you shouldn't build your strategy on the 1%. Why the public must be listened to and how you can do it. And I speak to Tony Reno, who has been published in a journal on this very topic. So stay tuned. In this column, I want to ask you a question. Are you building your social media strategy based on the 1%? Now, you need to listen to the end of the show to hear the interview with Tony Reno, who presents this concept really well. But I'll introduce it. His research has found that in the main, 1% of your tribe are going to cause most of the anxiety for you. Now, I'm not dismissing the voice of the public. However, what I am suggesting is that what is the problem with the 1%? Why are they complaining? Are you even listening to what they're saying? What if we understood the 1% more and we actually understood where they were coming from in terms of a complaint, a breakdown in communications, or maybe they want other people to hear them and to start following them. What about the other 99% of your tribe that are engaged, that are perhaps advocating for what you're saying, your policies? How are you serving the 99%? What if the 99% of your following were actually happy, content, even enthused by your social media activity? What if they were encouraging you to give them more? So that's the point. Why do we listen to the 1% and let them direct our strategy when in fact the other 99% may be quite content with what we're giving them? It's very important to differentiate between negativity and trolling on social media. An unhappy citizen who feels unheard definitely needs a response. A troll, an anonymous bot, do not need a response. So if you're not engaged in social listening and you're not looking at the makeup and the source of angst from that 1%, then you are missing a real opportunity for your social media strategy. So let's look ahead to the next 12 months. How are you going to differentiate between negativity and trolling? And how are you going to serve the 99%? Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. 
In this consulting segment, I recommend that you activate your FNC strategy. So what is FNC? It's a concept that I introduced in my book, Public Sector Marketing Pro, and it stands for frequent nasty comments. Consider it as the opposite to frequently asked questions. You should be tracking FNCs, not to dissuade the public from having their own voice, but to actually understand where their opinions are, where their thoughts are in terms of policies or new legislation that might be coming into being. An FNC strategy will allow you to have content to respond to the 99%, but guess what? To also the 1% and let's set aside the trolls and the anonymous bots for a second. People get unhappy when they don't feel heard. They will also go to another website, social network or influencer to get their information. Also, did you know that when you project negativity online, that will spiral far quicker than positivity. So you've got to grab that negativity with both hands and you've got to fill the information void with content that is created on the back of the frequent nasty comments that you're picking up from social listening. Social listening is a skill and a talent within the discipline of social media. It allows you to aggregate mass data by using a piece of software. One tool that I frequently use is TalkWalker. So that uses artificial intelligence to create big data right across the social web, on Twitter, on blogs, on forums. And that means that you can track and social listen to keywords relevant to your organization. Hashtags will also let you do that to a certain extent. So if 2021 is going to involve you being more responsive to your tribe online, introducing your team to community management and a willingness to have that two-way conversation with the public, then make sure you adopt my strategy of FNC tracking frequent nasty comments and turn them into content that adds value to the public conversation, but most of all, that answers their questions and their concerns. A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. In this episode, we hear from Tony Reno, a professional in communications, public relations and digital marketing and social media with over 30 years experience. In 2020, Tony was published in the McMaster's Journal of Communication in Canada for his work on how to handle negativity online. His research is absolutely fascinating and it gives us an insight into what we should be doing about the 1% and perhaps our focus should be on 99% of our tribe. 
Tony's research, which I have linked in the blog post associated with the show, is titled Dealing with Negative Social Media Comments, the giant bullhorn that punctures holes in organizations' walls like an arrow to the chest. Watch, listen, and be inspired. Thank you very much, Joanne, and, I, and, it's, and it's a pleasure to uh, meet you all virtually, and, and Joanne, thank you too. As I was doing this research, um, um, you know, I, uh, it, was, it was wonderful to meet you digitally. I just found uh, a lot of your uh, papers, uh, I guess, or articles, and they really resonated with, with me, and um, you'll see the sources uh, that I used uh, in, uh, in my paper. Uh, but thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. So we'll get started. Uh, so I've taken all the animations out of my slides um, just to give you a brief overview of who I am. And thanks to everybody for taking the time to introduce yourselves. Um, along the top are, you know, some of the uh, companies that I've worked for. So I've worked for uh, the city of Calgary. Um, Calgary is a million plus city. Uh, so I managed their website in the early in 2008 and actually helped them get into social media. Uh, worked in a lot of oil and gas uh, companies uh, where I currently work for a Canadian oil and gas major. So, uh, so I've spent a lot of my time in uh, controversial industries. Uh, what's before this is working for Canada's largest landlord, residential landlord. So I know a thing or two about customers who get upset or who are angry. Um, I also do some music on the side. So that's uh, some of my CDs that are on iTunes. That's my granddaughter who you can just stare at on the bottom right. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing a master's degree. Uh, as Joanne said, uh, I'm at uh, Mount St. Vincent University in Halifax, completely online. Uh, Mount St. Vincent is like a three and a half hour time zone away from me or three hours. Um, so quite a distance. Um, but it's been a real uh, journey for me to learn as I go. All of these roles that I've had um, have been net new. Um, you know, I, I, I joined these companies because they needed uh, this thing called a social media community manager or a webmaster back in the day or somebody who could manage digital. Um, so it's been a really interesting nearly 20 years uh, of working and I guess probably another 10, who knows, we'll see how it goes. Um, and so what really influenced me, and I think I heard it in some of your comments, was this influencing power of disproportion. Um, in fact, it, it influenced me so much that, you know, in those early days of social media, when you had um, spent so much time on a post and crafted the words and picked the great photos and you get, you know, 200 likes and, and you know, 20 really great comments, and then one negative comment. And that's the one that like my manager would come to me and say, what are we gonna do about that negative comment? And in my head, I'm gonna say, wait, what are we gonna do about the 200 likes and the 19 positive comments? Um, and, and, it's, and this is a repeating scenario for me, and it actually influenced me to pursue a master's degree. In fact, it was when I, wrote my letter to get into the school, this was going to be my thesis um, because it, it, was, it was so this sort of influencing power of disproportion and this image of, you know, we just pay attention to the one thing when there's 99 great things. Um, and, and so, you know, part of the rationale for me to get into university uh, to, to complete my master's at this, you know, older time in my life uh, was, 
was because I, I had developed this knowledge. Uh, I wanted to learn more and I definitely wanted to share more. So you're helping me uh, and hopefully uh, I'll help you a little bit as well. What I, what I did find though, as I did some more research is that this power of disproportion isn't really new. Um, it lives in expressions, um, it, in things we say, even in the Bible, you know, there's this, this disproportion rhetoric or, or dialogue uh, that happens regularly. And there were some really amazing ones that I found. Uh, the match one on the top right really resonates with me. I just chatted about it with my mom again today. You know, that one tree can make a thousand matches, but one match can burn a thousand trees. Um, I'd never heard that one before, um, you know, before I did this research. And I thought, this is really cool. Um, you know, and I, and I remember my dad, I think I mentioned to Joanne, was a union president. Who, who said often um, that he would spend 99% of his time dealing with 1% of the membership who were causing problems. Um, so it's not new, but I needed to contextualize it uh, for myself and for my managers in social media, uh, or you know, when we were dealing with social media, that is, to really understand it um, and to help my, me <laughs> get some sleep um, so they didn't lay awake worried about this one negative comment that always happens, um, but also to help my managers through it. So as I, as I researched the paper, um, and I was encouraged by one of my profs to say, no, you can do something else uh, for your master's. So this was one of the classes that I did. So it's an 8,000 word paper if you want to get through it. Uh, and I'll, I'll hit some of the highlights today uh, and share with you some of the, some of the studies uh, and sources that I really, really liked including Joanne, by the way, who, guess what, you're in her class. Um, so I cited two of her papers, uh, or two of her articles. Uh, one of them is in the, uh, uh, is in the title of, um, of my essay, uh, and you'll see later on here that we mention it. So, so I'll walk you through five parts here to say that uh, we're going to talk a little bit about perspective, as I have. Um, talk a little bit about categorization, just to understand emotional intelligence and your users. And further about your introspection, that's what you're saying to mitigate uh, social media uh, negativity. Um, and also a, a really key piece, I think, on moderation, um, dealing with profanity and hate speech. Uh, and then finally, I'll give you just a bit of a checklist. Um, but I do want to stress that this isn't a rigid flowchart thing that I'm going to present to you today. Um, it's very ambiguous. And it's more art, not science. Uh, and hopefully we'll provide you some perspective um, just to realize, as you know, um, that quote below, that negative emotions are such a powerful force. Um, and in fact, they can deter uh, organizations from participating online as they did for the company that I currently work for. So I've been working for them for three years, a major oil and gas player with retail stations you know, across the country they didn't want to get into social media until 2018. So, uh, because they just, they couldn't deal with these negative comments. So sometimes there's a rationale behind it. Um, it's just a fascinating topic to me. So let's start with the perspective. And I'm gonna give you two sides to the perspective. There's a quantitative side and a qualitative side. Um, some of you may have heard of Pareto's 80-20 rule or just the 80-20 rule. So it's an interesting rule. It, um, it doesn't mean, doesn't necessarily add up to 100. It could be 95. Um, it could be 60, 10. Um, but the point is that there's some disproportion 
And as Pareto said, it's this small number of factors that can explain most phenomenon, just like that pie chart that I showed you at the beginning. Uh, and it was interesting to read about this and then dig into some social media examples of this. And what I found was um, uh, an article that talked about Wikipedia contributors back in 2015. And what it found was that if you could moderate and control a small portion of the negative commenters, you would basically take care of a large portion of the negative comments. So interesting that what, if you're a social media community manager and do things regularly and start seeing negative comments, you might see the same people. They're not necessarily trolls, they're just angry customers. Um, and so if you can deal with those people, you've dealt with the majority of your problem. So that's the quantitative side. The qualitative side is also fascinating and it's, and it's this psychology known as negativity bias. So the point of this is that uh, the rate of negativity actually grows at a steeper rate than the rate of positivity. We just look at things with a negative bias. Um, and this was, there was a really cool study uh, that backed this up and, and forgive the slides too, because there's a lot of APA and academic formatting in it because after all, it's an academic paper. Uh, but the interesting study that I found here that really resonated with, with me was this one by uh, Waddell and Sunder. And what they did was they, they set up um, remotely. There were lots of people watching the same TV show and they were commenting on this TV show as they were watching. And what they found was that as soon as someone added a negative comment, immediately everybody else said, oh yeah, her hair is gross, or oh yeah, it's ugly, or yeah, that part of it I didn't like. So, so it seemed to affect people's enjoyment uh, of the program just based on watching people's comments that were negative, and it created this kind of avalanche effect. Um, so these two pieces were like really important to me to understand because just like you, like, I just want to connect with my audience. You know, I, I, it's frustrating when you see this, um, this negativity that comes up. And sure, I can now understand it from a qualitative and quantitative point of view. But honestly, I just want to make a difference, right? Um, and so there, there's me getting upset. So what do we do about it? Um, well, I went back through my career as well. And um, we're looking at this view in, uh, in, in non-build view. I'll give you the slides um, full on so, so that you can see what's going on. Uh, and I'll just walk you through how we, I've kind of categorized over the years. So I started my social media career back in 2008, actually a little earlier. And I followed my son on Facebook just to see what he was up to in 2005 or six uh, and got a little bit addicted to the thing. Um, but I got paid to be a social media person in 2008. And I was working for an oil and gas um, uh, association in Canada. And the negative comments were overwhelming. And the only way we could deal with it um, was you know, a process. There were just too many. Um, we didn't really post too much on social media, but it didn't matter because um, we just didn't, we weren't part of the conversation at all. And so we had to deal with these comments. And I turned to this on the left, this amazing Air Force blog assessment. Uh, it wasn't called social media back then. 
Um, but it's a flow chart. Uh, you'll see a copy of it uh, in my paper um, that you can read after. Um, and it's still kind of valid. Um, and it just walks you through and there's, and, and I explain it a bit in the paper as well, but this was like, uh, to me, I worship this thing, um, you know, because even back in 2008, people said social media is a battlefield and that we're scared, you know, corporations are scared witless about being in social media. And so you needed this thing just to process and figure out how you were going to comment if you were going to comment. And most of the time you didn't. Um, and so it was very organization focused in terms of, you know, how you dealt with comments, but it evolved to say, you know what, we're just spending so much time trying to categorize this stuff that we're not paying attention to the users, right? And the users have valid things to say. And why do they, why do they say what they say? And so there were a number of studies early on. Um, this one's from about 2015, but if you know how academics work <laughs> and you read this paper, um, the, the person, the uh, researcher here was probably talking about stuff from 2012. Um, but uh, this researcher had three categories. So, it's, so you start to understand how users think and why users do what they do. And, and Joanne, I, uh, I'll, I'll mention you here in a little bit as well, because this is an ongoing piece of research, just trying to figure out your users. What do they want to do? And in this study, they said, um, you know, they want to be involved in the development of the internet. Uh, they want to share some information uh, and they want to belong to an online community, right? Uh, some pretty aspirational things, um, not necessarily negative, um, but an interesting start to what it was. But it's moved uh, into a different piece. And, and this is one of my, favorite readings. I, I'm going to recommend two readings. Well, <laughs> Joanne, I'm going to recommend yours, of course. But there's two other readings that I'm going to recommend here today. Um, and this one by uh, an author named uh, Harry Yalonen. Um, he created this study in 2014, but he's created a number of them since. Um, this one really resonates with me because what he said was that uh, organizations need to develop this online emotional intelligence really understand your users and uh, recognize those emotions, as I say, um, you know, to understand the meaning of your business and to behave based on that understanding. So, so you have to get to know who your users are, understand their negativity and adapt. Don't fight it, right? I mean, try to, uh, try to understand where they're coming from. And so he has these six uh, challenges of acting with emotional intelligence. And you can see the, uh, the top five ones. The sixth one is really interesting because it breaks out into four uh, and is kind of harkens back to that last one I, I showed you where, you know, it says people want a solution. You know, the, the negative users want to be compensated probably. Um, they'd, they'd like to help others or prevent it from happening again, but that's not necessarily an altruistic approach. That's just them wanting to uh, kind of vent. Um, they also, in quotes, want to help the companies so that this doesn't happen again and the issue is resolved. Or they're just a troll uh, and they just want to, they just want to, you know, get you upset. Um, but, but I think this is a really interesting categorization and, and again, important for you to understand your users and say, okay, you know what, there's some demographics here. That's what's causing them 
some demographic considerations um, that could be causing uh, the concerns. Um, something cultural, you know, is this on a rant site? Uh, like uh, there's this amazing site that we're actually watching here uh, called thelayoff.com. Um, it's, it's pretty ugly looking. Um, very simple, just a Google search and the, whoever created the site has adapted a discussion board around it. So you can search for a company in it and I believe it's worldwide. Um, and what it does is it allows people to post layoff rumors about companies on it anonymously. And so, wow, it's a total rat site. You know, it goes into all kinds of tangents. So when you're seeing comments like that on a rat site from anonymous users, should you be as concerned Probably not, um, because it seems to, to balance out. Um, so it is a consideration. And then also the social media platforms, I'm going backwards a little bit here, but the social media platforms are also a consideration as well. If, you, if you've got a ranter on LinkedIn, is that different than a, than a ranter on, on Facebook or Instagram? Um, you know, all of these are, are considerations for you. Um, and, and the fifth one, I think I chatted a, a little bit about it in the, in the uh, qualitative research is called the avalanche effect. So, so it's just recognizing that sometimes things are going to get really hot and heavy. And do you want to step in and try and stop an avalanche at the time? Um, it, it might not be a good idea. You might want to wait a little bit to let things uh, blow over a little. Um, so this is a really important study, I think, in categorizing. Um, but it continues. And Joanne, here you go. It continues in understanding uh, user negativity. And so I, I didn't know Joanne at all before uh, I did the research. You know, I was looking at academics and I was like, okay, I want to verify this with real world people. So congratulations, Joanne, and thank you. Um, so here's uh, something from one of Joanne's articles, um, again, to categorize people to say, you know, here's what some customers are doing. You know, they want everyone to know, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, beating their chests and saying, I had a bad experience, you should see this. Um, and sometimes they're just really frustrated and seeking customer support. You know, maybe they've tried to phone and haven't gotten through, so they're gonna go through on Twitter. Um, and then there's the people who just wanna spark a negative reaction, right? They just wanna be mean uh, and be a troll. And, uh, and that's something that you, you have to recognize uh, and be aware of. And so what I, what I thought of, okay, so, so how do we stop this? And this gets into the, the next category in my paper, which is introspection. So one of the ways to mitigate it, not necessarily stop it, uh, is to look at your tone and voice. Um, this is the other study that I highly recommend uh, by a fellow named, uh, a group of people led by a fellow named Barcellos. And he rightly points out that brands are tempted you know to use this informal style on social media and to be honest like most of, many of you work in government right is that really the style that you use when you talk to people face to face when you're dealing with um, clients or customers or stakeholders uh, and yet social media has this attraction to want to to want to be very informal and and what barcellos is saying is that those that negative emotions can increase because of this, like people are, aren't making the connection. And so um, what he did was he, he had this categorization um, to say, to help you understand who you are. And then this to me is, is, is awesome, right? It's, it's saying, okay, 
what, where do you fall as a business, as an organization? Are your services hedonic or are they utilitarian? Kind of academic words, sorry. But hedonic being like, you know, a travel agency, a massage place, uh, a coffee place, a bookstore, book right? So those are kind of feely kind of places. Or are you utilitarians? Or are you a government, a business to business? Are you a funeral home? You know, are you an accounting service? So you can see right away that I think, I hope you can, can see that uh, you would speak very differently uh, using, depending on where you sit on that scale. And so his point was you need to understand where you are because using the wrong voice will incite negative social media comments from your customers. Um, he, he said it was either or in his study. Um, I kind of feel like there's a scale and I kind of feel like, you know, for the company I work for, we do a couple of different things and I feel like one of them is more utilitarian and the other one has some customer touch points. Um, so, you know, I feel like it's a little bit more hedonic. But I think it's really important to look at this. And, and what he did in his study that was really cool was he did a, I think something we all want to do would be to have a test of our, of our products or services. So, he created these two, many actually, and these are two that I'm highlighting. He created these examples of a hotel and a pizza place. And um, he made one version that was hedonic and one version that was utilitarian. Um, and it's more than just first person, third person voice. It's, you know, informal versus formal. And he put these out to, um, uh, to a group, uh, a survey, in a qualitative survey to get their opinions of it. Uh, and I could probably spend an hour talking to you about this particular study. I just encourage you to take a look at it because it was, it was really fascinating. Um, I don't think you, as, as people with social media experience, would be very surprised by the results. You'd say, yep, this makes sense. It verifies what I believe. Um, but my takeaway from it was, you know, why am I trying to fight this? Uh, here's a study that proves, you know, that if you're on this side of the spectrum, this is how you should talk. Don't uh, talk too informally um, because it will incite negativity. Um, and so, so there you go, I'm moving, moving along and I'm gonna have an example of that in a little bit. Um, but the next piece, and I, and I do wanna leave time for questions for us. Um, the next realization for me was around content moderation, um, around profanity and hate speech. Um, Facebook, I know that you, um, you've, you've probably all managed a Facebook page. Hopefully you've all gone into the settings and set up a profanity uh, filter uh, to automatically you know, uh, filter it out. Um, hate speech is a lot more difficult. Um, and I have two examples of this. So, so you know, what Salim, the author here is saying is that this negativity can be so overwhelming. Again, it can frighten people from being online and, uh, and, and people just, just love to be negative, right? Um, and the two examples I have about profanity though are cautions. So um, the first one was uh, somebody who left a note on our Facebook page that said, um, you know, I lost my wallet at your station and now I'm effed. 
course, he didn't say effed. Um, I'm just saying that for us. Um, and so the profanity filter automatically blocked that, right? So as a social media community manager, if I had not gone in and looked for that, uh, you know, that comment and seen that it was blocked, uh, the poor guy would have been without his wallet. So we got in touch with him. Uh, fortunately, one of our customer people had found the wallet, put it aside, uh, and we resolved the issue. But I wouldn't have seen it, you know, if, if I just decided, you know, profanity, I'm going to block it all. I'm not going to pay any attention to it. So it's, it's a caution. I still use it uh, and still watch it, partly for entertainment value, <laughs> but mostly just to make sure that I'm not filtering out uh, the bad folks. Hate speech, though, is, is such a different, it's ambiguous. Uh, you know, it can be so subtle and so nuanced. And so the example here was uh, somebody who started off with a similar, I, I, don't, I can't remember if it was a wallet, they lost something at one of the service stations uh, that I work for. Um, and it started off, their, their comment started off as, as you know, a, a, a decent enough comment and said, you know, I lost this thing and, um, you know, I went back and I couldn't find it, um, but I probably will never find it because brown people run this station. Well, as soon as I read that, I don't care about whatever it is this person lost. <laughs> so it was, uh, definitely block the comment or, or hide the comment and I, and I banned the user. Um, it, it just, I don't want to get into a conversation with somebody about that on my page. Uh, I don't want other people to get into a conversation about that's a good thing I saw it before anybody else did. Um, so you need to set up these rules with yourself, with your page. And I have them listed out, you know, as, uh, as community rules on my page. Um, just to deal with this. And in fact, prof profanity and hate speech are, you know, are so important, um, you know, and so it, it's, it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's an obligation, I think, for social media community managers to moderate profanity and hate speech. And there are some great readings. Uh, third at the podium for you to read is Gillespie, the, um, um, the bottom page here, very recent, who just slams Facebook in, in, his, in, his, uh, in his articles. Um, and I'll jump right down to his quote. He just basically says, you know, anybody can create a website nowadays and allow users to comment openly. But if you're not moderating, your website's gonna become a cesspool of negative comments. Uh, it's, it's a cold reality of, <clears throat> of commenting and our world of, of you know, community involvement. Um, and further up, you know, in this, in this other article by Salim, it's, uh, you know, filtering keywords is, is what you've got to do. Um, but you also have to be aware of those nuances, even misspellings. Um, you know, as you, if you get into a lot of this, as I have, uh, you start to see what the trolls are doing because some of them are very smart. Um, and they'll space out letters or they'll, you know, flip letters around. And so we've, you add those versions into your keywords. Uh, to block them. Uh, so very important. Moderation, very important. So a couple of examples for you, and I'm getting uh, closer to the end of uh, the presentation. So I'll take some of your uh, questions here in a bit as well. So here's a couple of case studies for you, actually kind of, um, kind of, this one's kind of marketing related, and the next one's kind of communications related. 
So here's an example of where tone and voice didn't quite work out. So this is a company I worked for. Uh, we celebrate Groundhog Day uh, here in Canada because you've seen the movie, obviously, probably. Uh, Groundhog Day is that point right in the middle of winter. It's the day that is right between winter and spring. And the legend has it that if the groundhog sees his shadow, um, spring's gonna be coming early. The weather will be better. It's, it's, I think it's just an excuse as you saw in the movie to have a, a party and, and drink a lot. But um, anyway, it's a lot of fun every year and it's a milestone for us. Um, what this company did though on February 2nd because it's Groundhog Day and because they felt the need to say something on social media and because I would argue they are a utilitarian company, um, they created this hedonic sounding post that guess what, incited some negative comments. So remember when I said companies are, are sort of teased into wanting to speak informally? So their post says, you know, what did the groundhog say this morning? He said, stop wasting energy, turn down your thermostat at night, save on your electricity, uh, smart groundhog with the veiled sort of you know, goal of getting you to buy your energy through this company. So what happened was, um, and this is just a snapshot of some of the negative comments, uh, right away it was like, doesn't matter, said this guy, you know, whatever we do, you're gonna charge us an arm and a leg. Uh, and then the, the little avalanche of negativity began. And to Atco Energy's credit, they did step into the comments but they changed their tone. Um, they went from this, you know, Mr. Groundhog, what did he do this morning to a very utilitarian tone. So they went back to the formal corporate voice that they probably should have had in the first place um, to say, you know, this stuff is kind of out of our control. It's regulated by the government, blah, 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 blah right? So, so they got themselves into, into a bit of a pickle and it's, and it's a subtle example. It, and sometimes negativity is subtle, but you can see how this could have escalated uh, and, and gotten worse. Um, so utilitarian organizations just need to be careful of their own tone and voice. So this was a marketing example. This next one was more of a communications example. And oddly enough, both of these examples are with calendar events. You know, the last one was Groundhog Day. This one is International Women's Day. I'll give you a bit of context around this. There's, a, there's an international company, you may have heard of them, called SNC-Lavalin, an engineering firm. Um, what happened back in March of 2019 was that this company had received very lucrative government contracts um, and were actually called out and found guilty of, uh, doing the, of receiving these contracts uh, in a not so appropriate manner. It was later found out that some of the money that this company received uh, was used by executives for prostitution, uh, for gambling, for some um, not so nice things. So here's a company that's got a pretty gross spotlight on them, right in the thick of International Women's Day and they decide to put a post on their Facebook page that says, today is International Women's Day. Look out for inspirational stories from the incredible women across our business. 
And this is a video of, I presume, uh, women who work for the company. And uh, the video is kind of like, uh, if you can imagine a, a runway modeling kind of scenario, uh, five or six ladies who are walking towards the camera and holding their arms and, um, and looking very proud um, and good on them for, uh, for promoting International Women's Day, but probably not a good time given what's happening in the news and the headlines even that day around the company and prostitution. So guess what happened with the comments? Um, you know, your love of Canadian prostitutes is noted, says one comment. They're an inspiration to your code of conduct. Um, you know, for goodness sakes, like who's running this uh, Facebook page? And why didn't you have the understanding of what's happening in the media or the emotional intelligence to say to yourself, uh, this probably isn't the best time to run this story. Um, maybe your staff is, is beaten up by the media, then play the story. My argument would be, that's your intranet story. It's not a publicly shared story. And, the, and so you dig in a little bit more to this and as community managers, I know we're savvy about this stuff, but you look at this example um, and you can see that it says uh, three comments, two shares, uh, 413 views, 14 likes. Um, of the three comments though, and I've got the all comments section selected, there's only one comment shown. And so what happens is somebody's moderated these comments. So somebody actually took out two other comments. Facebook will show you, will show a savvy user will know that somebody's moderating this post. So somebody filtered out two comments. Why they chose to keep this one is kind of beyond me. Um, but you can see that it's hard work. Uh, moderation isn't easy, but think about it before you even put out a post. Uh, and both of these companies, I think were attracted to this calendar day. Like, I don't know what today is. It might be International Hamburger Day or something. Um, you know, does your company really need to post on International Hamburger Day? If you can make a valid business reason, you can stand in front of your CEO and say, you know, we, should, we're, we sell hamburgers, we should do it. That's kind of my, my approach is that, you know, before I do any of these calendar day posts, um, because I, I don't want to be lulled into this sense that I should be talking informally on social media just to make noise, right? So kind of two fascinating uh, examples for you. Um, just going to end quickly with this mitigation checklist, uh, what we talked about. So the perspective is really important to me uh, and being able to share that perspective, qualitative and quantitative uh, with your uh, superiors and with yourself and just to understand it, um, that negativity happens. Um, being able to understand your audience, so your users uh, and developing this emotional intelligence um, and, and just learning from your users. And part and parcel with that is that introspection, understanding your voice and what the best time is for your audience to create content so that you don't you know, invite this negativity uh, and moderation is is a, is a super key. Um, and if you you know if you still go through this, you might still have to use this uh, crazy uh, flowchart of comments. And I think there's several of them available on the internet now that have adapted based on this um, sort of blog assessment chart. Um, and just remember, you know, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Um, so really think about what it is that you're posting and how it might or might not incite negativity.
To access the resources mentioned in today's show, go to publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash podcast and make sure to share this episode with a public sector pro you know. Thank you for tuning in and I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform.